I'm Amy West with Allen and Amy West Farms in Lubbock, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's so great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, thanks to our drought this year, there isn't a whole lot of cotton to harvest out in West Texas and the Panhandle. But on what little bit there is, cotton harvest is ahead of schedule. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Tighter cattle supplies should create a very strong market situation for livestock producers. But what about the impact on beef consumers? I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. U.S. beef and pork export numbers in the first three quarters of 2022. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll be reporting about those figures from Oklahoma City at the U.S. Meat Export Federation's Fall Conference on Texas Ag Today. Some rain across the rolling plains was well received by farmers, but it hasn't made planting decisions a whole lot easier. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest Texas crop progress and condition report this week shows cotton harvest here in Texas now standing at 61% complete. That is about five points ahead of the five-year average, which is 56%. Nationwide, cotton harvest is ahead of schedule as well, according to USDA's Brad Rippey. We've got the cotton harvest number, which nationally is 71% complete. As of November 13th, that is well ahead of the five-year average of 63%, and last year's 64%. Rippey says national wheat ratings, however, continue to be one of the lowest on record, and we see poor wheat ratings here in Texas as well. This week's report showing wheat now rated 18% good to excellent, 34% fair, and 48% of the wheat crop rated poor to very poor. That's just one point below last week's rating of 49% poor to very poor. Wheat planting now stands at 93% complete, here in Texas. When it comes to corn harvest, the report shows we're all done this year, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all of the corn is harvested. Down in the Rio Grande Valley, they plant some double crop corn behind cotton, and valley farmer Sam Simmons says that corn is coming along nicely. Uh, you know, there's some corn that was planted after uh, roughly around the same time cotton was harvested, maybe a little bit after, once people cleaned up the fields. We received a couple rains that really helped out. The stuff that's, oh, maybe a month and a half from harvest, two months from harvest is looking really good. 
but we are dry, dry, dry. We could use some rains in our area. In fact, more than that, we could use some rains behind the dams along the river so that we have adequate water for next year. Simmons says at this point they have less moisture going into 2023 than they did a year ago. The cotton market has seen quite a rally recently, with prices going from the mid to lower 70s to the upper 80s. Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman, Texas, says prices need to get even higher if cotton is going to compete with high-priced grain next year. Would still like to see it higher. I don't know that 80-cent cotton can compete with 650 corn. It needs to be higher. All the fundamentals say it should be higher. But with China's lockdown, the war... The 16 cent rally last week was a very welcome rally. It's kind of fizzled this week, just kind of staying steady to, well, basically just flat. Key says cotton growers in his area of the northern panhandle are struggling to get cotton harvest wrapped up due to snow and precipitation. Tighter cattle supplies should make for higher cattle prices next year, but James Hunt tells us that may also result in higher prices for beef consumers. Throughout the cattle business, there is great anticipation of stronger markets to come. But as cattle supplies get tighter, Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says what's good for producers will also have an impact on those who buy beef. Fewer cattle means higher prices for consumers, which potentially will end up mean that they're going to buy less of our product. And the same thing when you look at exports. And there's a lot that goes into exports. It's not quite that simple because you've got to look at the strength of the dollar and what's going on in other countries as well. But overall, for today, profitability for each of the segments, I think it's good news. But what damage are we doing to the overall industry moving forward? And how long will the consumer continue to buy our product? Essentially, what Miller is saying is that market dynamics can get tricky. I'm not sitting here and saying I don't want any of our segments of our industry not to be profitable. But at some point, the consumer has options. They have other types of protein that they can swap to. Today, those other proteins are just as high or going up at the same fashion that the beef protein is going up, so they've stuck with us. But the other proteins aren't selling off their factory either, which the beef is. The factory in this case being the cows and heifers that are being culled at high rates as we discussed yesterday. But Miller believes as long as cattle producers stay focused on delivering an excellent product, even if consumer purchases taper off for a while, things will ultimately turn out well. Once they get a taste for that super good beef that we provide, they will typically find their way back. Once again, that was Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. U.S. beef exports have looked great this year, but pork exports have dropped. Tom Nicoletti has the story from the U.S. Meat Export Federation meeting in Oklahoma City. My guest today is Dan Hallstrom. He is president and chief executive officer of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Caught up with him in Oklahoma City at the organization's fall strategic conference. And Dan, you uh, presented some numbers to the attendees on beef and pork and variety meat uh, exports uh, so far for this year. And for beef, the numbers are looking pretty good. Beef through nine months, we're up 4%, which is a new record pace on the volume and uh, values up considerably more. And it's about where we're 
forecasting that the euro round out at. Uh, on the beef side, value uh, will set a new record easily. Last year, we were at $10.6 billion, and we're going to be close to $12 billion this year. And I think on beef, the real key is it's, it's a story of broad-based growth across quite a few different countries, countries like Korea, you know, Southeast Asian countries like um, you know, Vietnam and the Philippines, and, and Colombia on the uh, Latin American side. And of course, you can't forget about markets like Mexico that are still rebounding from the post-COVID uh, era, but uh, the last month's uh, stats out of Mexico were steady with a year ago, which is improvement. Pork side's down, primarily due to China, which we knew it would be. Uh, we're down 13% year-to-date, but it was uh, actually a, a larger deficit before the last couple of months. The months in August and September, we saw a rebound in numbers, including into China, which is the main reason for the downturn as they recover from uh, their ASF issues in 2020. Korea continues to be very strong on pork side. Mexico is a home run, up 12 or 13 percent year to date. That is Dan Hallstrom. He is president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Welcome rain has fallen across the Texas rolling plains, but it hasn't made wheat planting decisions any easier. Barry Mahler has an update from Wichita Falls. After virtually missing a cotton crop due to drought, rains finally came in late September and boy was it a relief. But deciding what to do next is still up in the air for a lot of farmers. Now there's still time to plant a winter wheat crop before the insurance deadline and certainly time to get a crop up and growing before cold weather sets in. But do the economics support that? Many producers use wheat as a dual crop for both grazing cattle and grain, but the late planting date will take away a lot of the potential for winter wheat pasture as the crop needs to get in some early fall growth, which we've missed. So the grain market will have to be strong to offset the high input costs of seed, fuel, fertilizer, and weed control, and it looks as though the market could be cooling down a little. Cash wheat is still bringing in the upper $8 range now, but some forecasts are predicting lower prices for next spring's harvest due to softening demand. Less demand with ample product, well, it means lower prices. These higher inputs are a real challenge, but as usually, we see commodity prices falling ahead of lower inputs, and that puts a squeeze on profits. Spring-planted grain sorghum or corn is another option, but the same problems persist. Input costs are high, especially nitrogen fertilizer, and the grain market is expected to soften at least some heading into next spring and summer. Well, cotton seems to be facing the same challenges with high input costs and a market that's showing lower tendencies. The World Supply and Demand Report shows 2022 and 23 stocks increasing over the balance sheet. Beginning stocks were raised some 570,000 bales month over month, and with a world economy showing signs of slowing down, demand will probably fall. The demand side of the world cotton balance sheet reflected reductions of demand close to a million bales. It's hard to imagine with the devastating crop we've seen here in North Texas that world stocks would not shrink. But hey, it's a big old world out there with lots of places that didn't suffer from drought. So as you can see, considering the cost versus the possible outcome, making a decision on what to plant on the available acres continues to be a real challenge for Texas farmers. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today. Mule deer hunting season is just a few days away, and there are a few regulation changes that hunters should be aware of. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a dairy calf health program can help save calves. 
Texas veterinarian, Dr. Bob Judd, has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A dairy calf health program can help save calves. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. The main cause of calf death is pneumonia, as 7 to 22 percent of calves will develop pneumonia, and the calf health program centers around the use of lung ultrasound to detect lung disease due to an infection. Lung ultrasound is commonly used in horses to examine for fluid in and around the lungs and is also used in small animals to check for congestive heart failure. So most veterinarians have ultrasound capabilities already, and your veterinarian can usually scan a calf's chest in about a minute. So the exam is quick, and a large amount of calves can be scanned in a short period of time. Getting your veterinarian involved in your calf program has other benefits as well, as they sometimes can see positive changes that could be made as an outside observer. Dr. Eric Rooker indicates that his clients are very pleased with the calf herd health program, and the veterinarian is better able to detect vaccine protocol drift, errors in feeding and management practices to prevent diarrheal diseases. Also, infected navels can be diagnosed and treated before the infection becomes so severe they cannot be treated or before the infection can spread to the joints, causing a condition called joint ill which is difficult to treat. The program has diagnosed hundreds of calves with subclinical pneumonia before they get too sick so they can be treated in the early stages of the disease. This early treatment protocol reduced post-weaning cost and disease rates, increased higher survival to first calving rates when the heifers join the milking herd, and the herd tends to have more healthy animals overall. Dr. Rooker indicates that if you raise dairy calves, talk with your veterinarian about using lung ultrasound in a calf herd health program. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Mule deer season is just a few days away. Jessica Domel reports that there are a few regulation changes that mule deer hunters should be aware of. Mule deer hunting season officially kicks off in the Texas Panhandle this weekend. Sean Gray, pronghorn and mule deer program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says there are some regulation changes that hunters should be aware of. We had an experimental mule deer antler restriction in seven counties in the Panhandle. Four years ago, we started that experiment and it went really well. We wanted to expand that out into some other counties. So actually, we expanded it to another 21 counties in the Texas Panhandle. So it'll be a total of 28 counties with the antler restriction. And in those southwest 
Panhandle counties where we had the nine-day season, we actually have a 16-day season now. Gray said the antler restrictions will help keep a more natural doe-to-buck ratio. We had quite a bit of intensive buck harvest going on in the southeast Panhandle counties. There were six counties that we tried this experiment. And then we added Lynn County in the second year. But lots of harvest. It was having an impact on the sex ratio. So there was becoming a lot more does than bucks. And the buck age structure was really, really young. Having that antler restriction basically saved a lot of the young bucks from being harvested. In those counties with an antler restriction, hunters may only harvest bucks with an outside antler spread of the main beams of 20 inches or greater. Be sure to check the outdoor annual for all of this year's regulations. Mule deer hunting season in the Panhandle opens Saturday and runs through December 4th. The season in the Trans-Pecos opens November 25th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market ended higher on Wednesday while cotton and grains finished lower. We'll check out all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market enjoyed a higher trade on Wednesday. We gained ground in both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle was up 52 cents, closing at 151.80. February up a dollar 20, 154.25. April live cattle up a dollar 157.72. Same story on the feeder market. November contract up two pennies, 175.70. January up 45 cents, 177.47. While March feeders were up 45 at 180.25. Cash fed cattle market still quiet this week. However, we do see some bids from the Packers at 150 here in Texas and in Kansas. But the feedlots standing firm on their asking prices this week of 151 to 152. Boxed beef prices mixed Wednesday choice down 33 cents 258.03. Select up 48 at 232.24. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Riley Rhodes and crew own and operate Live Oak Livestock in Three Rivers. They sell them most every Monday. Riley, how did this last Monday sale go? Ended up with 1800 even. I called the market cows, probably, you know, steadied a couple dollars better. Bulls were uh, two to four better. Didn't have a whole lot of stocker cows. Quite a bit of activity on the calves and yearlings. I quoted them two to eight higher. The What pairs we had brought 750 to 1250. Red cows, 675 up to 1100. Packer cows, 70 to 78 on your high yielding cows, 66 to 74 on your breakers, 28 to 58 on your canners. High yielding packer bulls, 92 to 98. Low to medium yielding, 72 to 92. Uh, two to three 
weight twist years, dollar uh, eighty two to two twenty six. Heifer mates one forty to one sixty four. Three to four weight twist years one sixty four to one ninety eight. Heifer mates one forty to one fifty eight. Four to five weight twist years one fifty six to one eighty four. Heifer mates one forty to one sixty. Five to six weight twist years one fifty six to one seventy eight. Heifer mates one forty to one fifty eight. Six to seven weight twist years one forty eight to one sixty two. Heifer mates one thirty eight to one fifty four. The seven to eight weight cattle year twist years one thirty four to one fifty six, and the heifer mates one thirty four to one forty eight. Was pleased with it. Uh, got along real well. We'll have a sale this next Monday. Yes, sir. We'll have one uh, this Monday and the Monday after Thanksgiving. Uh, and then our last sale of the year is December the nineteenth, and we have a wean calf sale on December the fifth. All right. We'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley Rhodes. Three six one eight one three six six five zero is the cell. Three six one seven eight six two five five three is the office. The webpage liveoaklivestock.com. Riley, thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. Bye bye. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Arlene Hogs finished higher in Wednesday's trade. December Hogs up 25 cents, 85.57. February up 27 at 90.35. Class 3 milk was slightly higher. The nearby November up a penny at $21 even. December milk up 6, 21.89, 100 weight. Not much news to trade in the cotton market on Wednesday, so we finished slightly lower on the nearby contracts, higher on the deferreds. December cotton down 30 points, 88.44. March cotton down 21 at 86.76. December 23 cotton was up 52 points, 79.42 cents. The corn market finished slightly lower, but it did manage to hang on to the nice gains we saw Tuesday. December corn down one and a half, six sixty-five and a quarter. March corn down one and three quarters, six sixty-seven and a half. The wheat market, however, gave back most of Tuesday's gains. Traders continue to keep a close eye on the Russia-Ukraine war situation. The Ukrainian grain export deal expires on Friday. But news is that Russia will allow that deal to continue. December Kansas City wheat drops seven and a half, nine fifty-five and a half. December Chicago wheat down ten and three quarters at eight seventeen and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas up thirteen cents at six sixteen. December crude oil down a dollar thirty-six, eighty-five fifty-six a barrel. The financial market slightly lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down thirty-eight points, thirty-three thousand five fifty-four. The Nasdaq down a hundred eighty-four points, eleven thousand one seventy-three. The S&P down thirty-three points at three thousand nine fifty-eight. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.